you've been with us on Sunday mornings, we've been going through a series where we've called uh, A Promise Given, A Promise Fulfilled. And we started by looking at the promise of a rescuer coming through the line of Abraham. Abraham was one of the fathers from back in the Old Testament. And he was an old man when that promise was made, and yet God did indeed give him a son. From that line came the Messiah. And way back in the book of Genesis, God's people chose to rebel against him. But when God says he loves us, he stops at nothing to make sure he comes through with what he promises. The promise wasn't conditional based on our behavior. It wasn't based on whether we were able to obey enough or, or cross all the rules off of the list that we were able to follow. It wasn't God keeping this cosmic track of all the things good we did. It was based solely on Him. He made a promise that He would rescue us. And no matter what it took, He was going to do that. So when we, after we were done looking at Abraham and the promise that God gave him, we looked at the prophets, and the prophets were men and women that were used by God to speak on God's behalf to His people. So when God had a message for His people, He would give it to a prophet, and the prophet would be, in, be responsible for taking that message out to the people of God to hear it. We, in particular, looked at the prophet Isaiah. And in Isaiah 6, Isaiah tells us of what he saw when he got a glimpse of the glory of God. So he's taken into the presence of God and he is one of very few that's been able to do this and live to talk about it. And so he gives this description in Isaiah chapter 6, which is pretty striking. Listen to the descriptive words that he uses here. In Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, he writes, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. I mean, that's a pretty vivid picture. Uh, there's things going on there that maybe we can't even conceptualize in our minds, but, uh, but he sees all this and he hears it, and night and day they never stop singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The earth is filled with his glory and over and over again. One side of the, angel, uh, of the angel choir sings it and the other one sings it back. When they look upon the glory of God, they, they are just led to sing. And when they sing, they sing about God's holiness. Well, then we looked at John the Baptist and how he was used by God to spread the message of the Messiah was coming. And then the Messiah did come. We looked at, after that, the angel's response, what the, the angels do when they knew that Jesus had been released here on earth. You remember them singing in heaven? All they could do when they looked upon the glory of God was sing praises. And in the moment whenever this baby, this Messiah was born here on earth, the only thing they could do to the, to the watching world that didn't quite understand what had just happened was sing. They filled the sky with singing. 
And then we looked at Joseph and Mary. We looked at how they both knew God's word so that when they got the news that they had been chosen to do something big for God, they believed him and they obeyed him. But the only way they could do that is by actually knowing what the word of God said. So tonight we just want to take some time and look at Jesus. Why is all of this stuff so important? Why do we spend so much time thinking and talking about, educating about, and and revolving everything the church does around this one entity, Jesus? Because when we chose to walk away from the goodness of a holy God, that holy God remained. He didn't move. And then He sent His Son to clean up the mess we made, Sin is messy. Sin hurts people. We could all tell stories of how messy of a situation we got ourselves into because we chose sin. Or how we hurt somebody that we love because we chose sin. Sin does that. It's messy. It's ugly. And it hurts people. But it also hurts the heart of God. So Jesus comes and He he conquers sin. He came and He lived a holy and a perfect life here on earth. And did what nobody before him or ever after him could ever do. He became the all-sufficient sacrifice for our sins. And I think sometimes it's tempting to believe that that's where the story ends. That Jesus died and rose again. And that because of that we can have eternal life. But that's not us living in the fullness of who God is. That's not us completely realizing because we, we, when we live in that reality, we're living in a reality that the story's not over yet. We're walking out of the movie before the credits roll. If you're here tonight and you've received God's amazing, gracious gift of salvation by admitting that you're a sinner and that God did send His Son to die in your place, then you are His ambassador here in a foreign country to do His work. So this all matters because someday He's going to come back and take us to be with Him in eternity. In the book of Revelation chapter 5, we see John get a glimpse of glory. It's similar to Isaiah. But listen to what happens in his telling. Now listen, when John sees this vision, it happens after Isaiah. It happens after Jesus has come and died and rose again. When Isaiah saw what he saw and spoke to the people at that point, that was still a promise yet to be fulfilled. Listen to John's account in Revelation chapter 5. We're going to look at verses 1 through 5, and then we're going to go to 9 and 10. Then, this is John saying, Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered 
so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. Let me just stop there for a second and explain to you what just happened. He says, stop crying, stop weeping, let your sadness pass away. Because there is one worthy to open the scroll. There is one worthy to break the seal. And that is going to start the process of people going into God's eternal presence. The pain and travails of this world will end when that scroll opens and is read by the one worthy to do it. The pains and the trials and the tribulations of this world and the trauma we've had to walk through are over and we will be standing in the presence of God. So John sees that nobody's worthy to open this scroll and he starts to weep because if that's not going to get opened and not going to get read, then we'll never have that finality. So the the lion of the tribe of Judah, you know, like the prophecy said, this root of David, like the promise said to Abraham, he has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And then we fast forward to verse 9, and this is what it says about the angels. And they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Did you catch that? Back in Isaiah, when we saw this moment, it said that the angels sang in the presence of God, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The earth is filled with His glory. Day and night, they never stopped singing. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The earth is filled with His glory. Back and forth through all of those years. And when John is standing in the forefront of this, seeing what's going to happen in the future, getting a glimpse, like a prophetic glimpse here. He sees that Jesus is worthy to open the the scroll, to break the seal, to open the scroll. And when that happens, the angels start to sing a new song. The earth is full of His glory, they were singing. And day and night, they never stopped singing those words. And now, they've begun to sing a new song. So who is the only one worthy of breaking the seal and opening the scroll? The Lamb of God is worthy. This moment, this moment, whenever all of the pain and all of the trials and everything that happens on earth that just doesn't fit our storyline, what we want to see happen. It's not how we wanted things to go. It's not how we hoped things would go. The pain that we feel, the sleepless nights, the bad memories, the, 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 the regret that we carry. And in the moment, whenever the seal gets broken, you know what I mean by a seal? If you've ever seen a movie in the medieval times and they would send a, a letter from an emissary back to another emissary or into another kingdom and to, so that you would know it came from the place that it said that it came from and so you knew the authority behind that letter or behind that scroll. They would write it, they would sign it, they would roll it up or they would fold it. They would put a drop of wax on it and they would use their family crest ring that, that signified who they were and what authority they had and they would make an indentation in the wax and they would seal it shut. 
And if that seal got broken, you knew it had been tampered with and you shouldn't trust it. So there was only certain people that were worthy of breaking that seal and reading that information. So when you sent from this king to this king a letter and that seal was unbroken when it got to that king, he was the only one worthy to break that, that, that seal and read that scroll. And so the decree is about to cry out across the ages. The decree that God looks out and says that it is finished. It is done. The work is complete. I want my bride in eternity with me. Who's worthy of breaking that seal and reading what's in that scroll? Jesus is. But why is he worthy? He's worthy because he was, he's came from God. Then he lived on earth. And he lived a sinless existence on this planet, completely entrenched around people who were choosing sin, and he didn't choose it. He didn't break any of the laws, and yet he was still put to death. And when he was, he carried the weight of our sin in a way that we could never do. And this moment in the future when he stands there and he breaks the seal and he reads the scroll and he says that the trials and the pain and everything in this world that just doesn't seem right is done. It's over. The work is finished. The one, when he finally reads that scroll, there's only one worthy enough to read it. And it's Jesus. And this moment when that happens is made possible because of what we worship at Christmas. You don't have that moment without a baby being born at Christmas and has nothing to do with everything else that the world wants to make Christmas about. So we can have fun with all of those other elements, but if we lose sight of the element, we won't really get out of the holiday what it's set aside for us to get out of it. Your future is either going to include what's being read in that scroll, or it's not. You will accept that Christ is king, or you will not. My prayer is that you realize that tonight, guys, we're all on equal playing field. We are all rotten to the core, trash heap messes. Every one of us, myself included. I have absolutely nothing to offer the king. I don't have anything to give him of worth, and neither do you. When you come, you're going to give him a list of everything you did and everything you did wrong and everything you did right, and it's going to equal the same thing that mine would equal. Nothing. It's not like there's this cosmic rating system where God's going to look down the line and he's going to say, oh, you made way worse choices than this person, so I'm going to have you go on this side and I'm going to have you go over here because that's where the rotten people are. That's where the people that just live in their filth are. That's how I think we see it play out. But that's not how it plays out. See, God, God sees sin and it breaks his heart, and it separates us from him. And he sent his son so that we didn't have to live in the filth and the squalor anymore. 
So no matter what sin you might choose, it's no different than the what I choose. It might have different circumstances behind it. There are different consequences that come along with it, but it's no different than what I would choose. And Christ died to kill that sin. And when we live in the truth and the reality that we are His because of what He did, not because of what we did, then someday, as we live here on earth as His ambassadors, as we share His good news, as we live this out, and when we fail, when we fail and we fall on our faces, and we will, we'll pick ourselves back up, we'll look back at a gracious God who wants to forgive us for that moment too, we'll receive that forgiveness and we'll keep being His ambassadors, we'll keep doing His good work, we'll keep living out for Him because we know that He's worthy of it. And when the moment comes when He reads that scroll, all of the junk that we have to deal with here on this earth will be gone and we'll be in the presence of our King because only one is worthy to read that scroll. And he started off as a baby. His earthly ministry started off as a baby that we celebrate at Christmas. So who is worthy? Jesus. He's the only one. Who's worthy of your heart? Jesus. He's the only one. Who's worthy of anything you have to offer? Good, bad, or indifferent? Jesus. He's the only one. He's the only one worthy. So we're going to have a song tonight. And it's, uh, it's one that uh, has, if you're familiar with liturgies, it almost comes across like a liturgy. The worship band will be singing uh, the first parts of the song, and your response will be on the screen. All the words will be on the screen. But they'll ask a question in the song, and we'll respond with our answer. One of the questions will be, do you feel the world is broken? And we'll respond with, we do. You'll catch on pretty fast. You're smart people. But I want you to really pay attention to the words of this song, the message of it, because it's a really beautiful moment when we realize that the only one worthy of our heart, the only one worthy of our pain, the only one worthy of our mess, because he's the only one that can clean it, is God, Jesus. Let's pray. God, we're grateful for the opportunity to hear your truth, to, to live in it, to have it afforded to us. What a gracious gift to know that you are worthy. So yes, we feel the world is broken. We feel the weight of sin. We feel the weight of the responsibilities that are thrust on us here on earth the things that we need to take care of on a day-to-day -day basis that bog us down. We also know that you carried the weight of sin to the cross, so I know you can carry the weight of our burdens. So, Lord, I pray that tonight hope is found, love is felt, and grace is received.